Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Laker fans, thank you very much for tuning in. Lakers talk will go till uh, 8 p.m. tonight. Who the hell would have thought that we would be sitting here? What's the date today? April 6th, something along those lines. Still three more games left for the Lakers. And the Lakers are mathematically eliminated from playoff contention and also, obviously, the playing tournament. Uh, appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Eric Pincus, who covers the Lake, or he covers really the NBA, does a great job on Bleacher Report. Had a good article earlier today on what the Lakers do from here. He's going to join us in about 30 minutes or so. And, um, and obviously, this was kind of a unique one. This week, we had the uh, NCAA championship game. On Monday night, so that's why we didn't do Lakers talk, and I'm almost actually kind of glad we didn't, because here we sit today, and we could talk about the Lakers season, what happened, who's to blame, what the Lakers do from here. I mean, pretty much any time you don't win an NBA championship, you start pointing the fingers and you start figuring out what's wrong with the uh, with your team, your squad. You do it in any sport, but this is particularly um, unique because of what we signed up for this year with the Lakers, what we thought this Lakers team was going to be, what the expectations were for this Los Angeles Lakers team, and that's how I want to start off the show. So last night, I'm doing the uh, post-game show. Actually, you, know, you, you can actually even just kind of focus on when the show was going on. Michael and I are doing the pregame show, and then by the time we're done with the pregame show, John and Michael take over. You're looking specifically at, all right, what's that Spurs Nugget score? All right, not that you have a, I had a ton of confidence the Lakers are going to win at Phoenix. What's the Spurs Nuggets score? Spurs are up by, I don't know, 12 or 13 by the time halftime comes. And then by the time it's halftime for the Lakers game, and it's only a five-point deficit against the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix, you're looking over at the Spurs, and Spurs are blowing out the Denver Nuggets. They win on the road. So now the realization starts coming into play that this thing could actually be a wrap tonight. And it's not, I, I think we all understood here over the last week, it's going to come to an end at some point. We just don't know when the end is. And it, we, we didn't have to wait too long because three games left to go and the Lakers are mathematically eliminated, like I mentioned. So what happened this season? Can I, can, I just, can I just go back a little bit? I want to go back to from what the expectations were and where we're sitting today. And as best as I possibly can, somebody that has had, you know, obviously the unique opportunity to cover the team and um, get chances to ask questions to players and coaches and gets opportunity to do pre and post, all that stuff. Somebody that's as close attached as I am to it, I still don't know what the hell happened. So I'm going to do my best to try to um, try to kind of peel the banana, I guess you can say. Expectations were this. I remember it like it was yesterday. Russell Westbrook traded from the Washington Wizards. He's now a Los Angeles Laker. And there's Russell Westbrook. It was one of the first few times we had an opportunity to go back to Crypto.com Arena at the time Staples Center and sit in front of a presser where it was going to be Rob Palenka, Coach Vogel, and Russell Westbrook. 
Russell Westbrook was going to be a Los Angeles Laker, a dude that's born and raised right here in Los Angeles, a dude that you thought was coming to L.A. to help the Lakers get championship number 18. Hey, I was sold on it. I was sold. Whatever the hell you're selling, I'm in. Now, there's some other people. They were a little bit more hesitant about it. And my thought process was always this. No, no, I'll tell you why Russell Westbrook makes sense with the Lakers. The reason why he makes sense is this. LeBron James is going to be 37 at some point this season. LBJ is in his 19th season in the NBA. Let Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis run the Lakers a little bit this regular season. All you got to really make sure is that Braun is healthy and ready to go by the time playoffs come. Put these three together, and let's see what this team could obviously accomplish. Preseason starts. Lakers started preseason 0-6. I'm like, look, I, I know, I get it. It's just preseason basketball. Let's not make a big deal about preseason basketball. I'm not trying to make it like it's... Uh, Whoever goes 6-0 in preseason is going to represent the West. But damn, we uh, kind of look bad in the process. Damn, there's kind of no sense of urgency. Then you start watching the Lakers play as the season goes on. They acted like they were better than they really were. I'm going to say that again. You ever, you, you ever kind of, uh, it's good to have confidence. It's good to feel a certain way. It's good to have accomplished certain things. But you got to have a chip in your, on your shoulder. You have to have a chip on your shoulder. Whatever it is that you do that you're trying to accomplish, you have to have that chip on your shoulder. Does somebody want to explain to me the team that we saw the Lakers play 79 games so far this season, where that sense of urgency was, where that chip on their shoulder was, where that hunger was, where that fight was? No, no, no. The season, as it started progressing, all of a sudden, you got games where you're like, damn, they lost to this team? Wait, they were up how much against the Oklahoma City Thunder? They lost a triple overtime game against the Sacramento Kings. You kind of start going down the list. It's like, man, well, this doesn't look good. And then there's, there was always this cushion that you could fall back on. Oh, Lakers are going to be fine. Come on. They're going to turn that switch on at some point, and the Lakers are going to be fine. Ah, uh, Listen, guys, all right, you don't have home court in the first round. The world's not going to end. Look at all the vets you have on this team. You got guys that have been in the league for X amount of years. They could go in a road game, no problem. We kept making excuses for the Lakers team. We kept making excuses for ourselves that everything was fine. Season continues to progress. Now, all of a sudden, you're starting to look at the Lakers, and it's like, um, well, they might, they might have to go in a playing tournament again. Well, you know what? They were in a playing tournament last year. And what happened last year? Got into the playing tournament, took care of business in a close game against the Golden State Warriors. That game was at uh, in L.A. And then they went into, you know, obviously a first-round matchup with the Phoenix. It's not the end of the world. Another month goes by. All right, well, it looks like they uh, might not be hosting a game in the playing tournament. Another month goes by. Um, are they going to make the playing tournament? And then here we are sitting today. The season ends on April 6th. And the reason why I didn't name off the injuries that the Lakers had this year as one of the excuses for everything that I just logged on before is because it wasn't just injuries. I mean, for those who want to just sit back and say, well, it's just because the injuries that the Lakers were this bad this year. You didn't watch Lakers basketball. Because the Lakers basketball I watched all season long was a team that did not have a chip on their shoulder, did not have a sense of urgency, did not think it was important to start the season off right, did not come out the gate saying, hey, we got something to prove. It was a team that acted like they were better than they really were. Forget the injuries for a second. Clippers have injuries. They're in the playoffs. 
They're at least in the playing tournament. They're going to make the playoffs. Denver Nuggets have injuries. They're in the playoffs. The Golden State Warriors had Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. James Wiseman didn't play all season. They've had injuries. Got the third best record in the Western Conference. I'm not a fan of pointing at the Lakers. 17 games below 500. Not good enough to make the playing tournament. You know how tough it is to not make the playing tournament? I'll tell you who didn't make the playing tournament in the Western Conference. Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings have not been part of the playoff picture in 16 years in the NBA. The Houston Rockets. They are in a complete rebuild mode. The Oklahoma City Thunder. They've been trying to get picks like you couldn't imagine for the last number, X amount of years, whatever the case is. They're working their game plan. They're executing it perfectly. The Portland Trailblazers. When's the last time you saw Dame? They shut down all their dudes. They have zero interest in making the playing tournament. And the Lakers are in the same category as those four teams. That's where the Lakers are in the Western Conference. I, I As much as I want to sit here, Listen, I've heard Anthony Davis talk about it the last couple of days. He's not wrong when he says, well, what could have been? If Kendrick Nunn was there, if I was healthy all season, if Braun was healthy all season, if Braun, Russ, and Anthony Davis could have all played together for a certain amount of time, he's not wrong to think of what if. When people are saying, why is this guy talking about the what if? You know, I'm okay with him talking about the what if. My issue was, AD, it's not just because of the injuries. You're 17 games below 500 and couldn't make the playing tournament where the expectations before the season were you're going to get to the NBA Finals. At worst, you're going to get to the Western Conference Finals. At worst, you're going to be a team to reckon with in the West. It's going to be the Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets. Instead, you're a bottom feeder in the NBA and your entire game plan this year was not to go get a draft pick. It was not to tank. You're not in rebuild mode. You're in all-in mode. And that, you know, it's just kind of mind-boggling to me that this is where the Lakers are sitting and that they're obviously you know, obviously not a part of the uh, playoff picture, not part of the playing tournament. Um, I said this yesterday, doing the post-game show and knowing that the season was over, I said it's the worst season in Lakers history. And by the way, if somebody wants to argue against that, go ahead, feel free to. Maybe there's a season that I'm not thinking of. You could hit me on Twitter, at Alan Sliwa. But it's the worst season in Lakers history, and I don't think it's close, at least in my era of being a Laker fan, right? Following the Lakers, watching since I was a little kid. You know, you could look at some of the, you could look at the, the year Gary Payton, Carl Malone, um, Shaq, and Kobe. They didn't win at all. You know where they lost? They lost in the NBA Finals. Hey, it happens. They didn't win at all but they lost in the NBA Finals. It was a disappointing season, but you lost in the NBA Finals. You want to go back to the 2012-2013 year? Pau Gasol, Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, Kobe Bryant. Lost in the first round of the playoffs, and they got swept. That was an incredibly disappointing season. Um, They were eight games over 500 when the dust settled. I think, I want to say they were an eighth seed. Spurs were the first seed. Uh, Kobe obviously wasn't able to go once the uh, playoffs started. They actually played really good in the second half of the season. They started off awful, but they had a, a really good record in the second half of the season. They were eight games above 500. Lakers are 17 games below 500. If they lose two of the last three games of the year, uh, they will be. They'll have 50 losses. 50 losses on a year 
that the expectation was to obviously win the whole thing. Um, I don't know how you argue against this is the worst season in NBA history for the Lakers when you had the expectations that you did and that this wasn't a, well, you lost in the Western Conference Finals because Phoenix is just a really good team. Or you lost in the uh, the second round because the matchup against the Warriors, you know, Steph and Jordan Poole and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and James Wiseman and Andre Godala and, you know, all these other guys that they have, they just, they just outplayed you in a seven-game set. Laker fans, it was nothing like that. When the stakes were at their absolute highest this year, that's tough to say because there really wasn't much stakes. You were trying to play in a playing tournament. But when they were at their highest, I'll give you a couple that jumped to mind. A week ago Sunday, they were in New Orleans. Oh, no, no. The stakes are very high in New Orleans. You went up 23 points, and you found a way to lose that game. That's a perfect description of the Lakers' season. Or how about on Friday night when the Lakers are taking on the Pelicans? If we want to talk about injuries... AD came back, Braun was back, Russ was on the floor. You had your squad. You knew what desperation mode you had to be in to obviously win this game and keep your season alive. You lost that game. You lost the game after that. You've lost seven games in a row. I think they're 10 and 29 or something like that since January 8th or 10 and 28, whatever the record is. When the stakes were at their highest, it's when the Lakers fell the most. Um, I'm not telling you that injuries did not, uh, didn't play a part of this season, but this season was not lost just because of injuries. It was bad basketball from preseason all the way to the end. There was a theme in yesterday's postgame show that I think a lot of Laker fans feel the same way about. I want to talk about that when we come back. Stay right here. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. I know Laker fans. I know I'm going hard on our Lakers tonight, but uh, there's no other way to do it. There's no way of sugarcoating it. There's no way of looking at this Lakers team and this Lakers franchise not being incredibly upset with the scenario that played out. And on top of that, you know, I think adding another layer to this is important. Of course, all those players you assume want to win. Of course, the front office wants to win. But the way it went down, damn, did that leave a bad taste in everybody's mouth. More Lakers talk coming up next. Thank you for being a part of the show. 710 ESPN. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, welcome back to uh, Lakers Talk. Quick shout out here, Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Everyone knows on the show, uh, partner here on Lakers Talk. We appreciate their partnership. It takes 15 minutes. You uh, need to go get your car serviced. Go to Valvoline Instant Oil Change. It takes about 15 minutes. Website, visit SoCalOilChange.com for location. Game-winning coupons off your next Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Um, so th- there was there was a theme yesterday in the post-game show. By the way, Anything you want to throw my way, topic-wise, your opinion, your thoughts, hit me on Twitter. I'm trying to use Twitter a lot more for some of these shows like this, at Alan Sliwa, uh, and we could kind of continue the conversation there even when the show ends. Um, there was a theme yesterday to the postgame show. So Lakers are officially eliminated, and 
I'm doing the show, and I, I think there was this sense from a lot of Laker fans. It's going to sound kind of weird. I don't know if relief is the right word, that this train wreck of a season was over. That this headache of a season was over, of holding on to um, blind faith. Hey, no, no, what if this happens? I'm as, I'm as guilty as anybody. I mean, I, I do the show with Travis Rogers five days a week. Trust me, we talk a lot of Lakers. And as the season was going on, yeah, but Trav, what if this happens? And yeah, but Trav, this guy is this and that guy is that. And what if this happens with this team and that team? I mean, just grasping for anything to embrace and to hold on to, all with just the hope that maybe the ounce of hope that the Lakers still had an opportunity. I'm not kidding, Laker fans. For any time that I've been at the radio station, which has been a handful of years, or just being a Laker fan, I don't remember a time where there was this relief that the Lakers season is done. Think about that for a second. It's not done because they won a championship. The regular season's not done because they're about to go make a run at an NBA championship or a playoff run, or let's see how deep they can go in the playoffs. The relief was this season is finally over. We could stop pretending. We could stop trying to figure out situations that um, the Lakers still can squeeze their way in here, or maybe the Spurs can lose there, or if the Pelicans lose that game, and if the Clippers aren't fully healthy. All those scenarios that we've been beating our head with are finally done. I thought that was interesting last night to hear a lot of Laker fans say, I'm glad it's over. I'm, and, you know, for us too, who uh, are big fans of the team, <laughs> take some, always take some pride into your squad. Every time you open up Twitter, one person is running their mouth. Another network is running their mouth. And by the way, I don't blame them. Everybody teed off on the Lakers all season long. There was a reason why they teed off. There was a reason why they were saying the things that they were saying. There was a reason why they felt a certain way about the Lakers. They were the laughing stock of the league. Your goal is to win a championship. You have LeBron. You have Anthony Davis. Russ just came over. You got those three Hall of Famers. Carmelo Anthony's on your team. We know um, his resume in the league. And I know he's not at the age that he was, but Carmelo was actually one of the players that you thought, hey, you know what? He didn't have all that bad of a season. You had some young pieces, Malik Monk, THD. Go down the list. The expectation was so high, and they were getting punked in a lot of these games. It was embarrassing on a night-in, night-out basis. I I, I kind of look back at this, and there is a little bit of relief that that is done, that that chapter is officially closed, that this season is officially over. Not officially. I mean, you still got three more games left, and, and we'll see what they do. Maybe... Maybe Braun plays two of those games because he's go, going to go chase the scoring title. I think some Laker fans like that. Some, I think there's also a lot of Laker fans that don't care about that at all. I'm indifferent. I don't really care. I mean, it would be kind of cool. 37 years old, you could go win the scoring title. That's obviously very unique, very different. But I'm sure Braun and a lot of Laker fans, um, there's only one thing that matters. You get a chip. Did you not get a chip? And obviously Lakers aren't even going to be in the playoffs. Um Another thing that I think you know, I want to spend a little time on, by the way, quick reminder, Eric Pincus of the Bleacher Report is going to be coming on in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, he had a really good article today in, uh, in the Bleacher Report, just uh, where do LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers go from here? So I'm going to get his thoughts on what the Lakers do on that front. So l- let me present some stuff before Pincus comes on of the obstacles that the Lakers have this upcoming offseason. I'm sure somebody in their car listening right now, it's like, okay, great, Alan. Uh, You're giving us no hope here today. 
just trying to kind of point it out how it is. These are the obstacles. Okay, I'm, I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna list them down as obstacles. This is the reality of the Lakers situation this summer. They are by far the team that has the most questions coming up this year. By far, it's not even close. LeBron's currently 37 years old. By the time you get to December next year, so he'll be about a month and a half, two months into the season, Bron will be 38. He'll have he'll be in his 20th season next year. Bron had a great season this season when I'm talking about his own individual scoring and everything else. But as good as Bron was individually, we were stacking L's up left and right. It didn't matter what Bron did. You might have a game where Aaron Donald's there and he drops 50-plus points and the Lakers win a game. Okay, that's the outlier. That's not the season. You can't depend on that. You got Bron's situation. That's on its own. What kind of LeBron James are you going to continue to get as a player that continues to age? The worst thing that happened to LeBron this season, you had to depend so much on him during the regular season that when you got to the most important games at the end of the season, he couldn't be there on a consistent basis or he couldn't be 100%. It's not his fault. That's what happens when you have that much mileage on you and you have some knee swelling and then you have an ankle injury. This is part of the you know, dynamic of an NBA season. Unfortunately for Braun, the Lakers had to use him so much in the regular season and they weren't winning games in that process. It was a double-edged sword on that front. That's Braun. All right, how about Anthony Davis? I want to make sure that I, I set this up properly. I am a big fan of Anthony Davis. I'm a big fan of his skill set. I'm a big fan of his game. I'm a big fan that... He's a a player that can dominate the game on one side of the floor and then go dominate it also on the defensive side, right? Like he's not just an offensive player, but he's not going to give you what you need on the defensive end. I'm a big fan of Anthony Davis. Here's the question with AD. I don't know how many games Anthony Davis is going to play on a a night-in, night-out basis. I don't know how many games he's going to play throughout an 82-game season. That's real. That's legitimate. Now, maybe next year he comes back and he plays 75 games. But if I ask most Laker fans now, hey, yes or no, AD playing 75 next year, that's going to be a large percentage. Al, why why do you think he's going to play 75? He has been injury prone. Just look at the three years that he's been with the Lakers. You win the NBA championship your first year, obviously in the bubble. The second year he's back and forth in the lineup and then gets injured in the playoffs and the season's a wrap. This year, he's going to have played around half of the games this season. It's safe to say that going into the summer, AD, at worst, at best, however you want to describe it, he's a question mark. I don't know how often Anthony Davis is going to be in the lineup. There's Bron. There's Anthony Davis. I just kind of put them all in that corner. All right, let me grab another piece of a question mark this upcoming offseason. How do you – somebody want to explain to me how Russell Westbrook comes back to the Lakers this upcoming season? And you say, hey, let's run this thing back. Now, if they have absolutely no choice, then they have absolutely no choice. But what glimmer of hope did you see that Russell Westbrook is a good piece here with the Lakers, that he feels comfortable, that the fan base supports him, that he plays well with LeBron and Anthony Davis? There's another question mark you're going to have in the offseason. Then you're going to have the coaching staff. That's another question mark you're going to have in the offseason. And then I think around all of this, Travis always brings this up on our show. 
And I think it's an incredibly fair point, and I'm never able to give him a straight answer. Al, who's pulling the strings? The front office question of, is it Palenka? Is it LeBron? Is it Clutch and LeBron? Who's Is it Magic giving input? Who's pulling the strings? I know ultimately Jeannie Buss, she's the governor of the Los Angeles Lakers, but who's making those decisions? Which direction are we going in? Is it just about next year or is it about next year and three, four years down the road? And I don't have an answer to all that. My hope is that Eric Pincus of the Bleacher Report is going to have an answer to it. When we come back, he wrote an article, Where Do LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers Go From Here? I'm going to throw some of those questions his way, and uh, we'll see if he has a better answer than I do, because I know those are going to be all the questions we're all trying to get answered in the offseason. Thank you for being a part of the show. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right, is your vehicle due for a service? Head into your neighborhood Valvoline Instant Oil Change, home of the 15-minute drive through oil change. For over 30 years, Valvoline has provided quick and convenient automotive maintenance services for busy people just like you. No dragging the kids to a dirty waiting room. At Valvoline, you stay in your car, you stay safe, while the expert technicians make sure your ride is in peak performance. Oil changes, tire rotations, transmission care, and more. Just pull up, drive in, and drive out in about 15 minutes. Visit SoCalOilChange.com for locations and uh, game-winning coupons off your next Valvoline Instant Oil Change. All right, uh, welcome back to Lakers Talk. Let me welcome in Eric Pincus uh, with Sports Business Class and the Bleacher Report. He's got a great article up right now. Uh, where do LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers go from here uh, in Bleacher Report? Pincus, thank you, buddy. I appreciate you taking the time. Of course. Anytime. I'm always happy to come on to your show. For, for those who uh, don't know, Pincus and I, this is our relationship in the media room. Every time I see Eric, I'm like, Eric, I have about 14 questions for you, and he's nice enough to mm-hmm. answer them all, and then I go about my day, and I go get ready for the <laughs> Lakers game. Uh, Pincus, I, I want to start with this, because I, I think you laid out, your article lays out a lot of really good things, and I, and I want to I kind of take it point by point. 
one of the questions, or at least one of the topics that you have on there, is changes at the top unlikely? And I, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on the front office, where they sit today. Look, let's let's not pretend a year and a half ago the Lakers didn't go win an NBA championship, and let's also not pretend that a year ago, if Anthony Davis, <clears throat> excuse me, is potentially healthy, maybe they beat the Phoenix Suns, maybe they don't. But what happened this year? makes you really think that whatever they accomplished in the past was 15 years ago or so. That's what this year, I, I guess, makes you feel like. <laughs> what do you think happens yeah. <laughs> in the front office this upcoming summer? What do you think happens with the front office? And can you help me understand who you think has got the most power in the front office? Don't include Genie. I'm talking about between Palenka and between maybe, the you could say, the Rambis family or uh, Clutch Sports and LeBron James. Who do you really think is pulling strings at the end of the day? Well, I I think that it's it's safe to say that um, the Lakers have a unique situation, and I don't think it's out extraordinarily unique because you have a lot of teams with owners who have confidants and people who are not in the basketball operations department who help them sort through the, the decisions that the basketball operations uh, staff, you know, the general managers, et cetera, that they recommend. Right, so like. In the case of the Lakers, it'd be Rob Palenka is the one doing, he's on the phones with the other teams. He's on the phones with the agents. He's the one talking to LeBron and talking to AD and talking to Russ, or, you know, talking to the coach, talking to everybody. That's the general manager or president of basketball operations job. You've got 30 of them. They all do it a little differently, but more or less the same. And they then make their suggestion. This is what we would like to do. This is what the opportunities are. This is what the other general managers are willing to do in a trade. What are you willing to do what our recommendation is? And then the owner says, yeah, yay or nay. And some owners are very hands-on and some are very hands-off. And uh, you know, someone like Mark Cuban, very hands-on, uh, very involved. And some owners are basically absent and let the GM do whatever the heck they want uh, until it, you know they give them a budget and just stay out of the way. And I think Jeannie knows well that she's not someone who grew up on the basketball side of, of the equation. And that's not a criticism. Like, that's that's a good thing that she recognizes that I've heard her say both uh, in person and then on other, other interviews and radio and TV and stuff that, you know, that's not really her, her expertise. Her expertise is, is the business of the Lakers. And she has to be that, that person making that final decision. And I think she relies heavily on Linda Rambis, who's been her business partner in running the Lakers for like 30 years, 40 years. I don't know how many years. I mean, forever. I mean, you know, a lifetime basically. And, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, But um, Linda also doesn't have that kind of uh, inherent basketball knowledge of, of being a scout or working uh, on a, on a bench uh, as, you know, with a coaching staff or whatever. Um, And I don't, like I said, a lot of teams have advisors that are similar to Linda and that's not abnormal. And I think they rely heavily on Kurt who does have that kind of basketball knowledge, uh, who uh, was a player, uh, uh, a coach uh, in a front office, et cetera. So uh, it's not crazy. It's not like, Oh, the Lakers have this hyper dysfunctional front office. This is how they're structured. I think uh, uh, certain GMs would not want it to committee as much as it might. Uh, I, from what I understand, Kurt was in charge of hiring the coach, Frank Vogel. Uh, like you would, I, I think if you brought in like a Sam Presti or a Masai Ujiri and said, oh, this is how it's going to be, they probably wouldn't want that position. They probably wouldn't take the job if it, if they didn't feel like they had the kind of authority they had to do it the way that, that 
you know, so the Lakers do do it a little differently. It's a little more of a committee than most. Uh, and, and I think Linda has a lot of power with Jeannie and, um, I think Jeannie has always relied heavily on Linda and Linda's a very capable person who's done a lot of good for the organization. Uh, and I don't think what they have is a bad thing. I just think that uh, the decisions over the last year, but then I detailed in an article on Bleach Report towards the end of March over the last three or four years that the, the Lakers have been bleeding a lot of assets. And I don't try to like to treat people as assets, but as far as like, draft currency picks and then good young players they found that they let go for basically nothing. Not saying that Ivica Zubac would have made uh, all the difference in the world for the Lakers. They want to ring without him, but they gave him away for a player that they didn't keep. Uh, they, you know, Mike Muscala, they gave away uh, Danny Green and a first round pick for a player they didn't keep in KCP, uh, not KCP and in, in, uh, in, uh, in, in Dennis Schroeder. Sorry. And then they, of course, did the rust trade. You know, we can go down the, I, I wrote about, there's like a long list of moves that have been not, that have been bleeding assets. And, and you know, a, a team that gave up so much to get AD, they shouldn't be also, they should be mining the nickels and dimes and the quarters and the, and the 50 cent pieces. And it feels like they're only really paying attention to the silver dollars. Pinkus, what's the best case scenario and the worst case scenario for Russell Westbrook this offseason? And I'm talking about it from a Laker perspective. What's the best case scenario, worst case scenario of, how the Lakers try to navigate Russell Westbrook and his contract. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, the the path of least resistance is that um, maybe it was injuries and, the, and it was the wrong coach and the wrong set of role players, and everybody comes back and AD's healthy the whole year, and and uh, you find a coach that can interlock the. Uh, disparate pieces that don't seem to fit well this year and somehow turn that into a championship level team. I'm not necessarily optimistic for that. You asked for the best case. I think realistically uh, there was some tension between LeBron and, and, and Russ around the trade deadline where I, whether it was true or not, um, I think that Russ probably felt like LeBron wanted him out and, and there was a, Slump in 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 Russ's performance that you look at like that well yeah like a month at like nine percent from three that was like right after the trade deadline eventually he kind of got back to normal uh, but I wonder if these two can really coexist and they're they're grown men they can potentially work this out uh, but I do think the Lakers are going to look and see what the options are and and, I, and really there's the option of keeping him there's the option of trading him and then there's the option of either uh, waving him outright or buying uh, or stretching him out over three years. So what the best answer is, is going to be based on what's available via trade. Uh, And really the heart of the matter is, is not even Russ. The heart of the matter is LeBron. He can extend in August and otherwise he's going into the last year of his deal. And so if if you're, if you only have one more year of LeBron, you're going to do things very differently than if you extend him for two more years and you have three more years of LeBron, right? So they need an answer before May or really before June, uh, uh, June is the, the, the draft. They don't have a pick, but it's a big trading day. Uh, and then July is, is free agency. Free agency, right. So yeah, they need to know pretty much end of May going into June, what LeBron's going to do. They need to have some sort of verbal agreement that they've got an extension. They can't execute it. Technically it's non-binding, but uh, they would you know presumably honor their commitments 
and LeBron's here for two more years, uh, and then they could be open to, all right, well, if LeBron is staying, then we're probably not going to have cap room over the next couple of years with LeBron and AD. Maybe they could have a little, but not enough to really make a difference. And so stretching Russ's money, it, let's say it was anywhere between 12 and $16 million a year, depending on a buyout amount. Well, it would actually save money this first year. The Lakers would immediately drop under the tax. They'd have more money to pay to keep Malik Monk, if you think that's a priority. He was one of the bright spots. They could pay him around $10 million. If they keep Russ, they can only pay him around 6 or 6 and a half. That might not be enough. And so by getting rid of, of Russ and keeping Monk, you, you're, you're, maybe it's addition by subtraction, but you're bringing back almost the same team minus Russ. So you have to find a way still to fill the pieces. Uh, you, you would have a little bit of money, maybe $4 million elsewhere. Uh, but basically after that, it'd be minimum what, contracts. So what, they have... what, what kind of team would you think be interested in saying, you know what? Yes, the Russ contract is awful, but it's one year. We'll take in this right. contract for one year, but we're going to benefit off the Lakers by doing it. And maybe they're throwing back some contracts that have multi-years on them. They're going to ask for exactly. draft compensation. Do you think that's a scenario that's out there that the Lakers can still improve themselves by get, getting rid of Russ, knowing that they're also going to have to take back some stuff that they may not want? Yeah, you know, I, I think the answer is 100. Well, I wouldn't say 100%. Nothing's 100%, but you know, very strong yes that there will be opportunities. Now, the question is, is how costly, right? Like, yeah. the Lakers can only trade so many first. They have um, functionally like their 2027 and 2029. Uh, first that they can trade after the draft. And so the problem with trading those firsts, think about that. Like those are after LeBron's contract, even if he extends as after AD's contract, like you could end up giving away the number one pick. And so you have to be really deliberate in what you do. So let's say you have the thunder who have some cap room right now. Uh, uh, as soon as the season's over, Lakers can make a trade technically with thunder. Uh, if you made that trade and you sent them two firsts with Westbrook just to get off his money and you bring back, you have to bring back um, Derek Favors and Mike Muscala who are probably not high impact players sure. at this point. Yeah. Uh, Muscala can help a little favors. Hasn't been really impactful for a few years. So if you do that and you give up two firsts, are you a better team uh, by trading Westbrook? You've, you've achieved that, but you've, you basically, could have just cut him and gotten two players like uh, you know what like uh, you know favors and whatnot. But it does open it does save the Lakers a significant amount of money. It enables them potentially to keep Monk and it changes the equation. So you it does do things for you, but does it do enough? And that's really the question. Now you could look at the Indiana Pacers and say, man, they got Halliburton and they've got Duarte. Uh, Miles Turner's going into the last year of his deal. They probably don't extend him. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon's about 30, not quite, like 29, and he's hurt a lot. And, I mean, you know, this is where you're you're starting to think, okay, well, we're if you're the Lakers, we're going to have to make some decisions that are going to have some ugly on it, right? So do you want to pay Malcolm Brogdon a ton of money for a ton of years? Uh, can you get Buddy Heald, who's somebody that Rob Plink has long tried to get, former client of Rob when he was an agent? Uh, would they get out of his contract? Is there a way to get Turner? You're not going to get all three, but maybe you can get two of those guys uh, and give up two firsts. And now mm. you're in a better position. But And what that does for the, the Pacers is it gets them off of long-term money when they're 
going in a different direction. This is the, they, they missed the playoffs. Uh, they traded Sabonis, and they've got some nice young players, so maybe it's time to get off of big money commitments. Uh, the challenge there, of course, is that you, they probably don't want Russ, and they I don't know, they may look to move those guys to other teams who have sure. more assets. So it, and and the Lakers are really beholden. If you're going to trade Russ, they they 100 percent can't do a trade without another team's participation. That that that's factual, right? So getting a yes from another team is not going to be an easy thing. I do think there's a possibility you know they could look to trade THT Taylor Horton Tucker and hopefully get some some asset out of it, um, something valuable enough where maybe that could be used as compensation to try to get out of rust. But again, you start to peel off the talent. This is what the Lakers have kind of been doing the last several years is sort of bleeding around the margins where they're losing piece after piece. All the young pieces are going and all the, you know, they don't have many firsts. They don't have, you know, they've traded a certain number of seconds you get to a point where it gets harder and harder to make deals. And that that's not unique to LeBron James' teams. That's kind of what happens with Right, we've seen that. Def- definitely yeah. have seen that yeah, in the but, past. Mm-hmm. But the Clippers, you know, on the other side of the the, 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 the building over at was it Crypto.com Arena, I still want to say Staples Center, um, like they did the same thing that the Lakers did. They sent a bunch of assets out picks and whatnot to get Paul George. But then they've made a series of smaller moves and every move they make, like they got Kennard, but you know what? They also got like three or four second round picks when they got Kennard. Like they got a, a, a good player. I don't know if he's a great player, but they got a really, he's a great shooter, but they got a good player and they got second round picks. And then they did the deal to get Norm Powell and they gave up almost nothing. You know, like they're, they're making no. all these moves where they're nickel and diming and quarter all that to profit every deal where they end up better and every deal the Lakers are making, they're getting a little bit worse. And so there, it, it, you could say, oh, it's just LeBron. This is what happens. It's not the Lakers. It's not their fault. It's that you have LeBron, fine. But at the same time, the Clippers were in a very similar boat, high payroll, no picks, and yet they've managed they've to done continue more. to bring in pieces. Yeah. Yes. They've, so, they've done more think, with what they had. I, exactly. I, you know, it's, it's funny, Pincus, because and, – and, uh, Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It's really interesting to hear your perspective on a lot of this stuff because I think you break it down so detailed. I almost wish we were sitting here in a podcast. We go an hour and a half together. Maybe that's something we do <laughs> down the road. But um, but really good stuff, and I, and I appreciate you coming on the show, and I want to encourage people, go on Bleach Report. Pincus has a really good article right now in the Bleach Report. Uh, Eric, thank you uh, so much for taking the time. All right, bud? All right, anytime. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, that's uh, Eric Pincus, Bleacher Report. Uh, Final thoughts when we come back. Stay right here. This is uh, Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. Thank you again to Eric Pincus. Uh, What a great interview. I'm not kidding. I I wish I almost had another hour to do just to continue to uh, have that conversation with Pincus. Um, A few things stuck out to me. I I thought the conversation about Russell Westbrook, because as much as he was – the focal point during the season. He's going to be the focal point during the focal point during the off season as well. Um, will the Lakers be able to trade him? Will he come back to the Lakers and they have no choice to run this thing back again? 
um, how the Lakers will obviously navigate that and what Russell Westbrook ends up doing. I know he's going to opt in and go get that 47 mil or whatever he's owed. Question's going to come down to will the Lakers be able to go get some assets for him? Still have a chance. The Pacers one is very interesting to me that he said Malcolm Brogdon, Buddy Heald. Um, can you take some bad contracts in, but players that you think can actually help you for this upcoming season or next season um, and have Russell Westbrook go to a team where he's an expiring contract? We'll find out. You know you're going to have to give up draft compensation. You know you're going to have to take contracts back. And the question from there becomes, what is this franchise three, four years from now? And I, listen, I genuinely don't have the answer to it, but I think the uh, the topic of Russell Westbrook to me is going to be one of the more fascinating conversations that we have this uh, this cup, uh, upcoming offseason. Valvoline Instant Oil Change, great partner here on Lakers Talk. Oil changes, tire rotations, transmission care, and more. Just pull up, drive in, and drive out in about 15 minutes. Visit SoCalOilChange.com for location and game-winning coupons off your next Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Appreciate their partnership on the show. I want to give my final thoughts here. A um, couple quick reminders, by the way. I'll be back on tomorrow morning with Travis Rogers. We'll do our show 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Still three Laker games left, for whatever that means. Um, will LeBron go try to chase the uh, scoring title and play two more games? Are the Lakers going to decide, hey, let's shut down Anthony Davis? We'll uh, have to kind of wait and see. But they got a game tomorrow against the Golden State Warriors. Obviously means nothing for the Lakers. The OKC game on Friday means nothing to the Lakers. That's the final game at uh, the Crypto.com. And then Sunday's game coming up against the Denver Nuggets. I think it's a 6.30 tip. 5 p.m. is the uh, pregame show. That will also mean nothing. And then the official season will be over coming up on April 10th. And I don't mean to be blunt when I say it won't mean anything as far as the standings go, what I'm referring to. Um, I'm still going to be watching NBA basketball in, you know, in a way, in a sense, because the playoffs are going to be starting and then you're going to have the playing tournament. You're, you're actually just looking to watch some good basketball. It's almost like a breath of fresh air to try to watch some good basketball. I think the playoffs are going to be fascinating this year. Unfortunately for the Lakers, they're not going to be a part of the mix. If the playoffs started today, let me kind of dish out what things would look like according to the standings. I know there's some games going on, but I'll just do my best just looking at the standing. Spurs would take on the Minnesota Timberwolves in the playing tournament. Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Pelicans and Spurs will play each other. Minnesota and Clippers would play each other. And we know, you know, obviously that, that four dynamic, however it goes, it goes. I don't think Minnesota's going to catch Denver, so that's why I'm, I'm calling it how it is. Denver would play Golden State in the first round. Utah would play Dallas in the first round. Um, and Memphis would play, obviously, the winner coming out of the playing tournament. It could be the Clippers in the first round. Clippers can go up against the Phoenix Suns in the first round. So I think there's obviously some really good matchups there. Um, there's still a little fascination of what happens with the Brooklyn Nets. Do they get out of the playing tournament? Who do they get in the first round? They're going to get Miami. They're going to get Boston. Is Milwaukee going to move into the number two spot? Uh, are they going to have the best record in the uh, Eastern Conference? So there's still a lot more left in the NBA that we're going to be able to talk about. And obviously what the Lakers do from here um, is going to be the biggest uh, biggest question as we go into the offseason. Um the last thing I'm going to say about the Lakers season, I'm going to kind of put this, uh, put the uh, cherry on top or the icing on the cake, whatever you want to call it. It was ugly, Laker fans. It was an awful season. Um, it was incredibly, incredibly hard to watch on a night-in, night-out basis. Maybe the best thing that could happen to this organization is 
Let's just get to the freaking off season, which starts in about four days or whatever the case is. Let them start regrouping and let them try to figure out what the hell they do from here. They'll have their exit interviews at some point. At some point, we'll get a chance to hear from Rob Palenka. Um, those are the things I'll start looking forward to, and then we'll see what happens once the playoffs start. Um, but that's uh, that's a wrap on this one. The Lakers officially eliminated from playoff contention. That's what happened last night, and I appreciate everybody taking some time to join the show. Thank you to Eric Pincus for being a part of the show from Bleacher Report. I'm Alan Sliwa. This has been Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.